This is Contra Radio from Contra.Scot. Welcome, parishioners, to the Sunday Sermon with your good minister, David Jameson. Volodymyr Zelensky's tour of Western powers came to London this week. Halfway into a joint press conference with Rishi Sunak and Zelensky, a BBC journalist, called to pose a question from the floor, asked if she could hug the Ukrainian leader, walked over to the podium and embraced him. They stood before the cameras of the world media, cheek to cheek, with Sunak smiling and clapping like an excitable child. The assembled journalists then joined in, and the room shook with applause. The scene I just described to you is not from a Richard Curtis film. That it so closely mimics those soppy, sentimental products of the end of history is surely attributable to the makeup of the Westminster scene. By average age, social class and cultural milieu, its members would have experienced adolescence in the mid-1990s. You can almost see them, bright young things, perched on the edge of an imagined future, careers around Whitehall, mincing with the stars, sharing brief, quaintly inappropriate clinches with dashing statespersons. The libidinal energies provoked by Zelensky go beyond his status as a liberal hero. Indeed, liberal, by now, is a gross misnomer. He has banned his political rivals, crushed workers' rights, silenced dissidents and promoted the far right to influence in Ukraine's internal security services. Zelensky is fighting Russia, that's the liberal part taken care of. The illiberal tendencies he shows to his own citizens, under compulsion it must be said, of the wholesale violation of Ukrainian sovereignty, are another part of the allure. A certain fascination with military authority has swept offices and parlours from London to Edinburgh. MPs, journalists and civil servants have all felt the frisson of excitement, the brief sunny Proustian recall to those days when Hugh Grant's face was still firm and perky. Frenzies for martial violence and upright masculinity often grip comfortable social layers. Contrary to the hackneyed reactionary claim that democracies breed weakness and can be cured by the stiff corrective of a good old roll in the trench, wars generally originate from, benefit and are celebrated by social classes who don't fight in them. The decadent are nothing if not whimsical. Yesterday was inundated with lectures on the need to feminise workplaces or embrace self-care. Like chasing sweet food with savoury, the next hit demands a bit of thrusting masculine rigour. The independence coverage of Zelensky's appearance at Westminster Hall captures the zeitgeist. I quote, Zelensky was greeted like a rock star, as his combat boots made their slow way up the short steps, and the crowds caught their first glimpse of those famous combat fatigues, it was as if Elvis Presley had wandered on stage at the Grand Ole Opry. They whooped. They cheered. They went as wild as you possibly can in the middle of the working day. With the crowd whipped up into Zelensky mania, then came the pitch. Fighter jets. That's what Zelensky demanded, and for some reason this elicited yet more delighted laughter and applause. Isn't he a dreamboat? Back in Ukraine, the war has passed below hell into Hades. The front has stabilised into a vast network of trenches full of mud and corpses. 
the soaring death ray is mostly the consequence of long-range artillery, which blasts crudely fortified positions to soften them up for breakthroughs. Hundreds, perhaps thousands, can die for a square mile of territory. Already months ago, the US estimated the dead at over a quarter million. In the struggle for the towns around Bakhmut, fighting has been, in the last moments, face-to-face in the dugouts and earthworks. If you've been unfortunate enough, as I have, to see drone footage from the fighting, you'll know that boys are killing boys at point-blank range, almost as close as the BBC fangirl and Zelensky sharing a cheeky hug. Zelensky's audience in Westminster Hall sported more than one supposedly socialist, supposedly anti-war MP, applauding and enthusing with the rest of them. Here's what Nadia Whittam MP had to say. It was an honour to hear President Zelensky address Parliament today. As we approach the anniversary of Putin's invasion, we must continue to support the Ukrainian resistance and reconstruction. This war must end, and it will end with Ukraine's victory. Slava Ukraini. That's glory to Ukraine. And her tweets finished off with a cute little Ukrainian flag emoji. The picture I'm painting here of jubilant, pampered politicians on the home front and kids drowning in blood in a ditch might be familiar to Netflix viewers. All Quiet on the Western Front is so established in anti-war consciousness that it suffers from its own success. Watching its tale of youthful war fever and patriotism turn pitiable descent into inhumanity, we can't help but feel we've seen it all before. This is probably due to the influence the book cast across Western literature and cinema, most especially in US soldiers' reflections on the Vietnam War. Are we bored now of anti-war politics? So bored that we can appreciate a film's stunning imagery and soaring soundtrack, but park the sorrow over the pointless loss of a whole generation. I quoted her above. Nadia Whittam calls what's happening in the trenches around Bakhmut glory. The murder of teenagers by other teenagers. Glory. No matter how often the pro-war left or the Ewing centrist fandom deny it, this is very much war in the category of the Somme a conveyor belt of doomed humanity into the stinking ground, driven there by the moneyed, powerful, and also very far away from the front lines. World War I began with demands for national self-determination, and not unjustified demands. The Austro-Hungarian Empire really did invade and brutalise little Serbia and sack its major cities. Germany really did invade neighbouring, sovereign but relatively defenceless Belgium. Who could fail to understand the motivation of those Serbs and Belgians determined to resist? Let me venture, though, the annoyingly complicated theory that two things can be true at once. Namely, the Ukrainians have a just cause against Russian invasion, and that the real motor of this war is the same as it was on the Western Front. Not, then, Belgian neutrality or Serbian national rights, but the competition between Europe's princes and industrial barons for their own narrow-class interests. So it is today. From Westminster to Washington to the Kremlin, war to the housing estates, peace to the palaces. Call that glory all you want. Dulce et decorum est. It's still just an old lie to me. Want more like this? Subscribe to Contra Radio on our SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Sign up to our regular newsletter at contra.substack.com and find great articles and more at contra.scot. 
we really rely on listeners like you to help us grow. In return, you get access to exclusive content and events by joining our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash ContraScott. 